a gun with the Florida Gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyam, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are finally back. You and I in our virtual Sideline Judgment recording studio. Uh, it, it's great to be back, the two of us. How have you been, my friend, in these past two weeks that we have very not been? Very busy, very yeah. busy, <laughs> um, which I apologize to everyone for uh, this not really timing out to have our best podcasting experience uh, for you guys, the listeners, but was doing some pretty cool work on Redacted's, whatever they are now. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, but happy to now be able to actually record in person and discuss things. Although, you know, I, there's some things I don't want to talk about. Um, no, there's some things that I definitely want to talk about. So we'll, we'll get to those later on in, in regards to the things that Tyler does not want to talk about, but I definitely want to talk about. Before we do that, though, Tyler, we have to talk about the Gator game. We have to talk about the recent latest college football playoff rankings briefly because we are both of the belief that things will work themselves out. Um, we have some silly season updates. We will have the Auburn and Brian Harson discussion for sure. Um, there are some updates to silly season that we will briefly cover. We will then review five wide. And Tyler, to tease the listeners, it's time to have a dialogue. And the dialogue will be had today. We'll get mm. to that later on, though, when we recap last week's games via five wide. We will touch upon some non-five wide games as well. And then we will talk about the Gators taking on South Carolina in their final home game of the season. We will then talk, uh, preview the rest of college football in week 11 uh, via our five wide and two point segment. Tyler, let's start off with Florida 41, Texas A&M 24. This was a game of two halves. The first half seemed like um, Florida's offense and Texas A&M's offense were the only units on the field because uh, neither defense decided to show up. It is notable. I think we should acknowledge that Texas A&M was dealing with a horrific flu outbreak. Um, lots of players were out. I think combining illness, the flu, injury from previous injuries, and also team discipline measures, something like thirty, a third of their team, a third of their scholarship players were not available for this game, including um, – Connor Weigman, who is the true freshman quarterback that really came upon the scene last week in their loss to Ole Miss, looked really good, seems to be the quarterback of the future there at AM, but he was not playing. So Haynes King came in, and um, we all know how that went. Tyler, what did you think of this game, especially the difference between the first and second halves? Um, whatever happened at halftime, that just needs to happen for the rest of the season um, because the team looked completely different in the second half. Um, the first half of this game felt like more of the same where it's just like, yeah, Florida can score, you know, running the ball and whatever, but like, it's like a razor thin margin because the defense isn't stopping anybody. Um, the second half, that was very different. Um, 
Florida's defense looked bet looked even better. Kept kept moving the ball. Sorry, uh, sorry, Florida's offense did. Florida's defense came out and shut them out in the second half. Like forced a bunch of turnovers, just played better. It was it was. I don't know what happened. Um, and there is some. You have to be. You have to like we just said. Have the context. Really depleted roster. Not their starting quarterback. That being said, Haynes King still makes throws, and he stopped making those throws. Um, honestly, it was one of those things. I think, where, I think he stopped making those throws though because we were able to finally get pressure on him. You know, I think so too. And it's one of those things. Brenton Cox was just dismissed from the team, but it seemed almost like the pass rush was better, um, which was weird. But in, I think in a stroke of irony because he was clearly the second best defensive player behind Ventro yeah. Miller up until um, last. If, week. Any, if anything, though, the second half was almost even disappointing in the fact that I really felt like Florida could have dropped fifty on these guys, and they didn't. Um, but yeah. I'll take it because this is a double digit win in a season where those have been hard to come by for Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think um, I agree. I think it was, it was a big momentum win as well. Not just, you know, we needed this for, and again, I, I think we're, we're reducing it down to, wow, these guys are now happy that we're just bowl eligible. How, where has the Florida, the Gator standard dropped to? No, no, we know that this is, a, in, this year has a big asterisk all over it in terms of development and rebuilding. But it was nice to see, you know, us be in a great position for not only bowl eligibility, which those bowl practices are practices are important, but also seeing the consistency um, that has come among, you know, a bunch of different players, especially especially someone like Anthony Richardson. Tyler, I'm pulling up here um, a, a, a stat right here. I'm pulling it up. Um a couple of stats. Princely Uman Uman Miellen. Umami Ellen. Umami Ellen. Thank you so much. He was PFF's top rated edge rusher from last week. He scored a 90.5 out of 100. He was the highest graded edge rusher. So replacing Brenton Cox, clearly not an issue. So that ended up happening. And then also in regards to Anthony Richardson, he's been balling in the past three weeks. I think the, my favorite thing from the game was the fact that it was a continual development of consistency in him making the right decisions, right? In the past three games, Tyler, he's accounted for 835 total yards, both in the air and on the ground, nine touchdowns, and zero interceptions. The That's consistency the has arrived. Zero interceptions is very shocking to me. Like, Especially uh, given what we saw at the beginning of the season, right? That inconsistency. Yeah. So I think that is my biggest takeaway from the game, the fact that Anthony Richardson – is completely is consistent and he's done those three games by the way lsu georgia and AM. clearly lsu and georgia are two of the better two of the 10 best teams in the country obviously and AM, while they're in a down year while they've lost five straight for the first time since like the mid 80s definitely injuries a horrible a season from hell for AM. even though he was able to go ahead and keep that consistency and i think that stuff is very important love there were a few passes that were just beautiful chef's kiss nfl type passes his pocket presence we talked about throughout the game via text and then just the fact that he looks so much faster he looks so much slower than what he is but he is very fast like his stride oh, yeah. he, he had the third fastest run in uh of the week of college football and it looked that, like he was run, jogging that 60 yard touchdown it looked he looked yeah. slow yeah and, it's and insane, he's just so. still still moving faster than everyone else like mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's my biggest takeaway from the game. Um, no. I echo everything you said as well, though, about the consistency with I mean, defense and stuff. The defense, the defense was the biggest thing to me because I didn't think that they had that in them. But Anthony Richardson's been on a tear the last three games. This is probably his best game of those stretches. Um, 
yeah, it's just using his legs the right way, finding consistency in the passing game, making plays, um, dynamite throws here and there. But like we always knew he can make the crazy throws. It was can you make the little throws? And now it seems like we're, the offense is building. We're doing so. This is this is a good win for Florida, and not so much the that the opponent was crazy hard, but that what Florida showed is very promising for the development yeah. that they're going on. Absolutely, absolutely, completely agree. Um, let's let's uh, talk a little more Florida later on in the episode when we preview the South Carolina game. Uh, for now, let's move over to the college football playoff rankings. They have been updated. Um, lots of movement at the top. Uh, well, the top four, Tyler, we have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU in that order. All four of those programs are 9-0. and And we have Tennessee at 5, 8-1, and and Oregon at 6, sitting at 8-1. and Coincidentally, Tennessee and Oregon, both, both of their losses, each of their losses came to Georgia. Uh, Oregon's in week one, neutral site that I think many Ducks fans would rather not talk about. And Tennessee, obviously, last week, which we'll talk about that game in our five-wide recap. Uh, most notably, Tyler, the uh, highest-ranked two-loss team is LSU, sitting at number seven, seven and two. And you have Alabama dropping to seven and two at number nine, and Clemson dropping. They are eight and one to number ten. Any thoughts about the rankings overall? Oh, before I do that, a group of five teams in here. Tulane is sitting at seventeen, ranked at eight and one, and UCF at twenty-two, uh, with a seven and two record. Florida State, Kentucky, and Washington round out the tw- top 25 in that order. Tyler, what are your thoughts about the college football playoff rankings, and uh, what are you looking for in this next week with them? Um, uh, I'm just I'm happy TCU <laughs> got ranked at number four. I honestly didn't expect it. I didn't expect them to do that. Um, yeah, I, th- I I I'm pretty good with the top ten. I mean, it, it, everyone who needed to drop dropped. Nobody seems mm-hmm. to be too high for. I mean, like people could argue that based off the results of the Tennessee game, they should be lower. But also, you still can't take away the rest of their season. Um, but yeah, I, I, mean, I also I, think. I, go ahead. Just in regards to that Tennessee, Tennessee lost. While it looked like a blowout, and while it felt like a blowout, it wasn't a blowout. I think people are. I think people are un- over overvaluing the word blowout. A blowout is when Oregon loses by over 40 points and doesn't score a touchdown. That's a blowout. At the very least, Tennessee could have. It was a know, 14 theory, point game. It was a 14 point game. Like, you know, and this was you couldn't turn the game off at the beginning of the fourth quarter because with Tennessee's the way their offense has been explosive all season, you didn't know when they can score 14 points in a three minute span. You never knew that. So. I think that it's the right decision to put Tennessee over Oregon. They do share the same equal loss, so it makes sense. Uh, but I think what it shows is how much the committee is valuing Oregon in terms of the turnaround that they've had, how much the committee is valuing LSU, given their situation and their their two losses, and the fact that USC is sitting at eight and Alabama sitting at nine. It's one of those things where they they make the top six and then they do everything else to justify the top six, uh, because as we said, the only one that really matters is the last one. So you yeah. know, putting putting those other teams in there kind of makes it look better, um, and I think that's what they're doing. I think think we're shaping up for you know the SEC champion, which we're, we'll, we can chalk up as Georgia for now. So Georgia is the SEC champion. Ohio State is the Big Ten champion. 
Um, if TCU can take care of business, they're showing them they will be in there. So let's go ahead and pencil in TCU Let's if they keep it together. And then there's really the opportunity for an Oregon team if they run the table and win the Pac-12. Uh, Tennessee to sneak in there if Oregon drops, if LSU drops or, or looks kind of horrible against Georgia. We got a lot of options here, different yeah. ways to go. So it, it's definitely uh, going to play itself I out. will say my only thing is that I think Clemson, I think Ole Miss and um, uh, what's the other? Ole Miss and UCLA honestly would even be deserving of being ranked above Clemson just because Clemson has not really had the toughest schedule. Um, I'm sorry, who who over Clemson do you think? Ole Miss and, and UCLA, the team's right beneath it. Right below them? Yeah, just, uh, give it, at least, okay. at least I think UCLA is being kind of undervalued, in my opinion. I can, I can agree with that. It's I mean, I'm not really – I don't really feel any type of way about this. I'm not going to get worked up about it because, like, it still feels appropriate. They're all in the same range, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And one loss teams that haven't looked crazy impressive. UCLA is the one that I think has looked the most impressive at any stretch. Ole Miss has really fallen under the radar because they've been f- good, but not crazy good this year. Yeah. So – yeah, and I, th- I think the Pac-12 as a whole, it's not that they're being underrepresented. It's not that they're being undervalued. It's that I think this the story of this season from a bird's eye view and maybe from <laughs> as someone who lives on the, the side of the country that really likes to um, – and a region of the country that really likes to praise itself and not maybe look outward. I do think there is a bit of an East Coast bias going on here because when you look yeah. at the teams ranked in the Pac-12, Oregon at 8-1. Um, USC at eight and one, Utah at seven and two, uh, and you got Washington at seven and two. Those and four UCLA teams, eight UCLA eight and one. Those five teams right there. I even just overlooked UCLA right there in describing the rankings. <laughs> those five teams. Those are five really good football teams, and I think that all five of those teams could finish easily. I think all five of those teams could could be in a one score game with Tennessee late in the game. I think all five of those teams could be. Um, at the very least, um, I think all five of those teams could beat TCU on a neutral site. Like, I think these teams yeah. are good football teams and can win one-off games every time, which is why if we have an expanded playoff, none of this stuff would really matter. And it would all solve itself on the field because football is a game that should be played and not and decided on the field and not in a boardroom in Dallas. But besides that, Tyler, <laughs> I think that um, it's doing its job for right now. So don't really have much else to say. I do do want to say though, Florida State fans, looks like UCF's replaced you. I I mean I don't I don't want to say it, but oh my one's twenty two, one's twenty three. So, in the eyes of the committee, which is something that you know, all this really means is that they really don't like Miami. <laughs> oh my God, they don't like Miami. Which join the club, college football playoff committee. Yes. Join the club. Um, anything else on that, or you want to move forward? Let's move forward. Let's move forward and let's move forward and talk about the dropping of bags in the form of buyouts of coaching contracts. Uh, recently, we've already mentioned Brian Harson was out at Auburn, and we will get to that discussion in one second. Before that, I do want to acknowledge another job opening in the state of Florida. Jeff Scott has been removed as head coach of the USF um, Bulls. He is no longer their head coach. Jeff Scott, of course, former co-offensive coordinator for Clemson, comes from that Dabo tree. He had about three seasons at the helm, and he went four and twenty-six in thirty games. Not great, Bob. Not great. No. That being said, um, uh, in his defense, I mean, it's what USF. Was he worth with? 
yeah, what was USF? What was he working with? I, I don't blame you, dude. I don't blame you. And it's kind of ironic that now as he, he has been ousted, um, this is the closest and the furthest along that we have been in the USF developing an on-campus stadium conversation. This is the furthest we've been, the most serious it has been taken. They are looking to make investments in the facilities and really put a bunch of money into the program. So I think that that is something that is on the horizon. I think that is good for USF in the future. Um, but now, since USF is going to be my rival um, in the American Conference as as an FAU supporter, uh, I think that it is it is going to get interesting to see the. Uh, there's very clearly. There's very clearly two tiers in the state of Florida in terms of programs. You got the big three, right, in terms of reputation, Florida, Florida State, Miami. Um, then you kind of have in like a 0.5 right below it because they're definitely above um, USF and FAU, but they're not quite at the big three level and you have UCF. Maybe that changes next year and in the years to come because they're going to be in a Power 5 conference. But at the moment, they have elevated themselves to a point where they are above the other group of five teams in their state, but they are not quite at the – Big three yeah. level. We'll see how it goes, but that's where they are in this moment. Don't kill me, you at UCF fans. I am your defender on this podcast. Um, so it's interesting to see what direction USF takes to kind of see if they want to kind of take that spot of a dominant group of five teams since they're going to stay in the American, or are they going to let FAU kind of take the helm, who's been very interested in investing in their program and all that kind of stuff. So that is very interesting to see for the future. Um it is unfortunate for Jeff Scott, but it is the reality of college yeah. football. Well, um, he can go back to Clemson. And honestly, it wouldn't be a bad idea, and I think it would help Clemson, and I think it would help Jeff Scott. I'm sure Clemson would want to do it. Or he could come to uh, he could come to Florida. You know, Billy Napier's there. So I would not be mad with Jeff Scott's offensive mind on staff at Florida because I do respect Jeff Scott a lot as an offensive mind. Sometimes it just doesn't work out as a coach, and sometimes for reasons out of your control, which I think is the case here with Jeff Scott. Yeah. Um, another school where it didn't work out for reasons outside of your control. That's Auburn, Tyler. We need we need to have the Auburn discussion, the Auburn conversation. I want to know your thoughts. We have purposely not had conversations about Auburn, you and I, off of the podcast because we wanted to save it here when we had the discussion. Let's take five or six, seven minutes. Let's talk about Auburn. What was your we knew this was happening. What was your like postmortem reaction to uh, finally getting rid of him? Should have happened earlier. Um, but we've been saying that for weeks. I mean, it, we all knew. I think everybody in the world knew that this was going to happen. You know, so I, I don't really know if I feel any certain way. It was just like, oh, finally. Like any week now it should happen and it eventually did. Um now, I'm very interested in who's going to take this job because much like the last time when Brian Harson came out of nowhere and was just kind of like, oh, we're hiring Brian Harson from Boise State. And I was like, who? I knew who Brian Harson was, but like I didn't ever consider him for the Auburn job. I didn't see him as someone that a big time SEC program that can win and that can realistically win a national championship say, you know who we really need? the guy from Boise state. Like I really didn't think that was yeah. going to happen, which is funny. Cause it worked. I mean, it, it didn't work out for on the field reasons. They had, they have not been good the last two years. He ran off Bonex and now it doesn't look great. The Bonex looks like the Heisman contender at Oregon, which, um, which, which we will 
have the should I retire good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix seriously conversation in the coming weeks. I want to save that for when we preview the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listeners, there's a teaser going ahead. I think what it really comes down to is like Auburn's got to catch up is the thing. Auburn uh, Auburn is still behind Alabama and Georgia um, and LSU now. And they're just in a tough position because they have the ability to win national championships. They've shown that. But it's also at just such a less consistent level than their their rivals. And I feel like it could be more consistent. But you just you need something at Auburn to give you alignment. You need something that everyone can get behind at least. I don't know what that is. I'll tell you who I want to be the coach there. I really do want Deion Sanders to take his job. Okay, I'm... Not I am because I think it, not because I think that it is the best choice, but because I want to see the Aflac Bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean. That was good. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. That was really good. Um, the, okay, but I am more open to Deion Sanders at Auburn now than I've been in the past. Uh, I think Deion Sanders will get a power five coaching job. If not this off season, then the following off season, I think I it'll agree. happen. He's actually proved I think he, he deserves it. Yeah, I think he deserves proved, it. He's proved that he can coach, which is why. And, he, and he's proven that he can lead young men full stop. Like just a good influence on 18 to 22 year old, mostly black young men. Like he's shown that he really has. Um, I think, like you said, I think same thing. I think it should have happened earlier. Um, I'm shocked that the buyout structure is quite literally the exact same as Gus Malzahn's. So like Auburn learned absolutely not. It's it's 50% uh, due within 30 days. Not a single thing. Seriously. I saw a tweet a couple weeks ago when they were talking about this. I think Auburn now owes just in just to Malzahn and Harson. Not including the staff buyout. Or no, I'm sorry. It's Gus Malzahn and his entire staff, their buyouts. So every single buyout from the Malzahn era. And then just the Harson buyout without factoring in Harson's assistance and everything after the season. Um, they owe upwards of like $47 million in buyout money. Which is absurd. I, we, we, Sergio, we really got to become college football coaches. We got to figure out, and honestly, uh, we need this, to be we this, need to be just good enough. Just not working for me. <laughs> we need to be just good enough to finagle our way to like. Honestly, like let's could we could we take the could we take the Indiana job? Like could we could we get to the Indiana job? Could we get to the Illinois? No, because Brett Bielema really has got them cooking right now. But you know what I mean? Could we get to like a lower tier Power Five job? Yeah, I don't. I don't got to be an SEC head football coach. No, 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 no. no listen, I'll, the I'll SEC money is untouched. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go coach in North Texas. Oh for, yeah, for two years, and then I don't need a, and get a buyout. I don't need a twenty three million dollar buyout. I just need a three million dollar buyout. That's all I need. That's life changing money. Three That's million. We split wealth. it. One point five each. It's over. I can, I can duo. make, oh my God, we got, we got to do it. We got to do it. Um, right. But one, one job we won't be putting in for is Auburn. Uh, you did mention that Deion Sanders is an option. Is there anyone else that you have an idea that could do it? Because I think what happened so well, and I know that this is going to be weird to a lot of people, but there was a time when Alabama was 
a you know what show and was not Auburn was the dominant force in that rivalry for a period of time like yes. not, not like a two three year period like a good like decade um a good decade a good 15 years happen. and it wasn't until Saban came in and really said the, the greatest thing that Nick Saban has ever done in his career is convince every Alabama booster that he makes the decisions that yeah. is the challenge with whoever it is takes the Auburn job. You need to convince every one of those crazy boosters that you are the right person for the job, that they can listen to you, and that they need to trust your plan and your vision. You so know what I mean? Alabama has what Auburn needs, which is alignment. Everybody, even, even now with what we're about to talk about, everyone is still united under the Saban banner. Mm-hmm. You know, no one is working against that. That was Brian Harson's super huge problem. It also, you know, and then there's the whole like didn't get vaccinated thing, which was kind of weird. But like, um, yeah, no, well, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, yeah. And but I think it just contributed to the lack of alignment. Mm-hmm. You need somebody that everyone can get behind, which is this thing. I think other other coaches, Matt Rule is going to going to stick out um, from the college ranks. I'm not really it's no one that's like. I mean, there was the rumor that Albert wants to hire Dan Lanning from Oregon, which would be <laughs> hilarious. I, I don't think uh, I don't think Oregon fans share the same no. hilarity that we do. But from a Oregon, neutral Oregon perspective, keeps getting dunked on for having better teams than all of these SEC teams and then losing their coaches to them. Like, yeah, just would not be great for them. Um, but other than that. I think I, I want to go back to the Matt Rule thing because he's going to be thrown out. The name's going to be thrown out a lot. I, I'm not saying it won't work. I'm not saying he's not the person that can bring alignment. I'm just very curious to see how he responds to college football since I mean, he's it's, been it's gone. Different. It's different because since he's been since he's been gone in the NFL, we have now had the introduction of the one time transfer rule and NIL. And I think that it is a completely different monster to rebuild a temple program to rebuild a baylor program in a different era than what you're competing in right now and he's going to yeah. be at auburn which has the resources has to recruit exactly has to recruit and he has the resources wink wink nudge nudge to recruit so i think he it's i'm just interested to see how he would do it matt um, rules is not somebody that's high on my list but i know that it is a name that's going to be thrown out I mm-hmm. do think I really do think that Deion Sanders would be the best person for the alignment case, at least for like the first season. Mm-hmm. Like it's Deion Sanders, and he, and we Deion Sanders has proved that he can actually coach football now. Like, um, yeah, agreed. Just think, agreed. In previous years, when every time Florida State opens up, they're like Deion Sanders should take the job. You'd be like, you don't know if Deion Sanders can coach football. <laughs> like, yeah, he played it at a high level. He comments on it great. Can he actually coach college football? Now at Jackson State, he's proved that he really can. Like, um, I agree. I agree. And, I mean, they need the recruiting aspect. I think it's, he's the right person to go to. But also, I'm open to others. I the whole this is a year that I don't know why, but I'm not so high. I haven't been so high on the like this candidate needs to be picked from this group of five job or this candidate, this offensive coordinator needs to be picked from this power five school. Like these just aren't as apparent to me this year. You know, no one's been super yeah. crazy. I I, um, I I agree. There isn't there isn't one like okay that's the guy. Uh, you, there are you, a lot of you'd say Tennessee you for their you'd say Tennessee for their offense, but their head coach is mostly responsible for that. So it's not no offensive coordinator to grab. Yeah. Um, 
no one should hire Bill O'Brien from Alabama. Like, um, <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. I think people are people like to slander Bill O'Brien. Yes, we for do for his time <laughs> for his time at uh, with the Houston Texans. And putting aside the Laramie Tunsil trade that I love so very much for the Dolphins, put that aside. I it, the issue with him was never coaching college football. The issue with him was when he took over the general manage manager uh, decisions. And I think that he can do that at a collegiate level. I don't think he's built to be an NFL GM and coach ball. He's a darn good ball coach. And I think that he can run a program well, as we showed, as he showed in the aftermath of Jerry Sandusky stuff at Penn State, he can steady a ship with a big name program. I think that that has been proven. I would not, I do not think Bill O'Brien is this savior. I do not think he's the next Saban. I do not think that he's going to be this incredible person, uh, incredible coach. But I do think that he will be able to bring some stability. I don't think it is an out of this world, horrible hire. I think people like to harp on him because he was a horrible GM and that you should definitely harp on him because he was a horrible GM, but it's a different job. It's a different um, set of responsibilities. So I just want to, I'm not defending Bill O'Brien like that, but I kind of am because I think people lump everything together when we need to realize that there's separate things that he does, you know? All right. What, don't, don't get mad at me because I'm giving you reason. I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't like Bill O'Brien, <laughs> right? He beat my team too many times. I don't want to hear it. I know. I know. I'm sorry that you. You'll uh, feel the same way when we come when, you know, the NFL community comes around in three years being like, maybe Adam Gase, you know, has turned it around. (laughs) Where's Adam Gase, Tyler? (laughs) No, no. Answer the question. Where's Adam Gase? What's he doing right now? What's he doing? uh, Which high school? Which high school prep team? He's watching two different screens of football with his eyes going two different directions. Um, Yeah. Well, which high school prep team is he the offensive coordinator for right now? Yeah. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Look it up. Do you know the answer to this question? I do know the answer to this question. He's coaching high school football as an offensive coordinator somewhere. I'm not even joking. High school. There it is. I totally did just look that up though. (laughs) Told you. Anyway, can't believe you slandered like that. Um, anything I'm else you want to say about the Brian Harsin? <laughs> we have another big conversation coming up. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about Brian Harson and the Auburn situation? No, I mean, I'm just very interested to see. There's not this clear candidate, I think, this year in coaching. There's just not. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, no crazy group of five team head coach. No, like all the good group of five, the two best group of five teams are... Tulane, which is Billy Fritz, which I don't think he's going anywhere. And Gus smells on. <laughs> yeah. Gus smells on is not going anywhere because yeah. and they Luke got him Fick- locked in. Luke Fickle might be a, a dark horse just because they're not that good this year, but Luke Fickle's done really great stuff. But I don't know if Luke Fickle's going to leave the state of Ohio. That's Well, that's the same reason I don't think Gus Malzahn's leaving Orlando. I think these guys understand that they are now coming into these young projects at a big time uh, they're they're back in the power five, you know. I mean, Gus is back to, in the power Cincinnati's five. going to the big the big uh, twelve. So like, right. like why would they leave a sitting have a big twelve job without needing to change anything? Like, exactly, exactly. And clearly, your your program that you have built is further along than the one that's hiring you. Because if they wasn't, they wouldn't be hiring you because they would still have their coach. Anyway, it's time to move forward, Tyler, with five wide from last week. Let's recap this. Um, nah. And we'll go quickly and then we will – I think we'll go quickly and then we will come back and have the dialogue we need to have. How about that so we can just get the that's, information that's out good. of the way? That's good. 
The number one, <laughs> former number one, whatever. Tennessee 13, Georgia 27. I get the points here. I pick Georgia. This game, like we said, wasn't a blowout, but it kind of felt that way because Georgia was Georgia very explosive. from the start. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, but, you know, with Tennessee's offense, 14-point win is not the most comfortable thing in the world. Um, no, exactly. Exactly. And credit, I can't believe I'm about to say this, credit to the Georgia fans for um, being and giving a great atmosphere in Athens. I hope I never... I hope I never have to experience the Athens atmosphere because the only time I would go would be for a Florida game. And that game deserves to stay in Jacksonville until the end of time. Yeah, I never want to go to the stadium ever. Don't ever want to go. Your hedges suck. They need watering. Next game. <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Just a petty Florida fan. Alabama 31 LSU 32 in overtime. Neither one of us get the points here. We both picked Alabama. LSU wins fashion too. (laughs) We are not going to talk about this game. This is the dialogue. We will come back to this. Texas 34, Kansas state 27. Neither of us get the points. We both pick Kansas state credit to Kansas state though, for the comeback. Yes. Second half. Texas. Excellent. Second half. Texas was, was controlling this game. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. And then Kansas state came in and they held Texas to three points in the second half. It came in the fourth quarter. Kansas scored 17 unanswered at one point to make this a game. Um, unfortunately, they did not come out with a win. But I do think that this proves my theory of Texas next year. It's going to look really, really good. We, we've we seen them lose road. We saw them lose a lot of road um, Big 12 games. And then all of a sudden, they started to slowly win them. And now they're winning them again, and they're kind of keeping up. They're, they're making those small changes and growth. I would be very optimistic for next season if I was a Texas fan. That's what I'm going to say. So, Anything about this game or you want to move forward? Let's move forward. Cool. Clemson 14, Notre Dame 35. I get the points because I picked Notre Dame. Tyler picked Clemson. Notre Dame dominated at oh. the line of scrimmage. It's a miracle that Clemson scored 14 points. It's it was I was dumbfounded. Clemson doesn't get pushed around like that. Like no. it was very much a Notre Dame had their way on in the trenches. Fantastic performance by Notre Dame. What, and what a comeback. What a what a turnaround by Mark Marcus Freeman. <laughs> well, I don't think it was ever a problem. I think it was a very similar, you know, I didn't like Let's yes, but at the same time, they they do we forget how bad they were to start the season. It did look we, rocky. But but we but we also tend to overlook how well they played in the first game of the season against Ohio state. So like we saw both sides of this and I'm just glad that it was able to work out. Can't believe I'm out here praising Notre Dame. Um, I will say as much flack and I heard um, the split zone duo guys mention this and I'm going to steal this take and I'm going to give them credit obviously, but um, I, I do agree with them. One thing that you, you can say all you want about Dabo Sweeney. You can say a lot of things about Dabo Sweeney that think you and I dislike about, not him as a person, but necessarily just his outlook on college football. One thing that you cannot criticize about him is the fact that he is very much a, I made the mistake. That's on me. Um, I didn't prepare my team well enough. He takes the blame when things go sideways. He is the one to take the blame. He falls on the sword and he defends his players. And that is something that I, I respect in not only a coach, but a leader of a group of men and, and group of men and women. Yeah. I respect that where a leader can take the blame and can deflect the criticism away from 20 year old kids. Yeah. 
and can really, you know, take the responsibility as the grown man. I think that that is something that you, we should praise him for. And I think he, that's something he did. And the split zone duo guys pointed it out to me and they have a point. He, he I agree does with that you consistently. Wholeheartedly. I, agree. I mean, it's like what DG said the other day, day when he was just like, Davo has a responsibility to all hundred plus people on this team, not just me. Like, and he exercises that. And then that was a lot of showing maturity of that quarterback, but also it, it kind of shows a bit of who Davo is. That like, no, it's like, I'm the coach. It's my responsibility to put them in the best situation to succeed. When they don't succeed, that's my fault. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I may not agree with some of his values. We haven't had to see the side of him for a while, but this, yeah. I do appreciate that this is there because so many coaches throw their players under the bus. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I may not agree with his values, but I have a deep respect that he believes in those values. I'm just glad that this value is one that I completely agree with and I'm able to, you know, mm-hmm. share with that. So um, I get the point on that one. I picked Notre Dame. Wake Forest 21, NC State 30. We both picked uh, Wake Forest. NC State backup quarterback looked pretty good. This is a good football team. Just well coached start to finish. You, we know exactly what we're going to get with NC State every year. Um, very consistent. So unfortunate that the Wake Forest offense wasn't what we wanted it to be. But I'm, I'm uh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe Clawson, how could you do this to me? <laughs> it's okay. We got another chance to talk about him in, in this week's five wides. Uh, so none of us get the points. Neither of us get the points there. Two point. I picked Florida State to beat Miami, and they didn't beat them. They destroyed them. 45 to 3. I get both of those points. This game was over very quickly. And Tyler, you picked our Oregon State Beavers to defeat your Washington Huskies. And it did not work out for you. The Washington Huskies won 24 to 21. You do not get the points. That means, Tyler, for the first time this season, you do not get a single point in the five wide and two point competition. And the score now swings in the direction of the man living in South Florida, Sergio 35, Big Ten resident Tyler 32. How do you like that? I just want to clarify that uh, Sergio gets no credit for this. Um, this this was just me fu- screwing up. Like like, uh, <laughs> guys, don't give Sergio any credit for his picks. He, I got nothing. He only came up on me three point. Uh, gave up on me three points. This is all on me. <laughs> um, Listen, I, I, up I so will bad. say, <laughs> I will say, while I was watching the Florida State Miami game, because yes, when Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida State Miami were playing at the same time. I chose to watch Florida State Miami because I am a lifelong Floridian who just last minute it was like, oh, but I got to watch this game because I've watched every version of this game since I was like six. So I had to watch it. Okay. While Florida State was dominating, I kind of felt bad. I was like, man, I shouldn't have this. This is too lopsided for this to be my two point. I feel bad. I just didn't think it would be that bad. I thought it'd be a close game. I didn't think that bad either. So like it's a rivalry game. Like I. crazy stuff happens in this game every year, regardless of the record. So I figured it was, I wasn't going too crazy. Right. I, I I just wanted to say that on air in front of you because I felt really bad going, Oh man, this is a layup two points. I felt like, I felt like I picked Alabama to beat whatever SoCon team they play on SoCon Saturday. Like I felt bad. I was like, Oh, this is kind of a cheat code here, but I, but we're in, we're in agreement that I wasn't, it wasn't malicious. You, you good with that? No, you good? no. Yeah, it wasn't malicious. Okay. Again, right. I give you no credit for what happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> you get zero credit. This is entirely because I messed up. I was well, so bad. I, that it, 
Like, well, this the, is like the great thing is negative points at this point. The, the great thing is I don't care about credit. I care about results no, and the results can, show. I'm, just, I'm clarifying for the viewers. Um, this is not me being like, damn, Sergio, you made some crazy picks. I'm like, no, no, it's not that at all. <laughs> I, well, I took advantage. I <laughs> took advantage. I'm up 35 to 32. Um, real quick, Tyler, I want to look at the uh, non five wide games from last week before we go and have a conversation. Ohio State beat Northwestern 21 to seven, and that was much closer for much longer than it needed to be. They should not have. Ohio State should have been able to only run the ball and beaten them by three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, it should have. It shouldn't have been like this. People, oh, the wind and on the lake and it's Chicago. Has okay. won a game in these United States of America in this hemisphere, in fact. Yeah, very <laughs> true. That is a fact. That is a proven fact. Um, we also got uh, TCU pulling it out against Texas Tech, thirty-four twenty-four. They just keep winning games like this. Man, doesn't matter the opponent. They they have close games and. It's fun to watch when it's a good team and it's a little cool. bit worrisome when it's not as but good of a is, team. It but it is an interesting thing with, with TCU and with the Big 12 in general, though, because I, I believe that the Big 12 has probably the best middle of any conference. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. That's every, a good take. Almost every single, I think every single team in the Big 12 is very much like a, you can't overlook them. Even Kansas now. You're just kind of like Kansas yeah. is like in the middle of it. But like Texas Tech, which is like kind of under the radar, but like, no, Texas Tech scores points. Texas Tech mm-hmm. plays football. Like CCU, yeah. you so that's what I'm kind of forgiving of TCU for always being in these games because I'm like any Big 12 team would be in these games because this the middle of this conference is so good. But TCU keeps mm-hmm. winning is the thing. This is the easiest conference, in my opinion, to slip up in. Right. Um, and they haven't slipped up yet. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that's that's a that's a good take. Um, I think another team that has kind of been caught about to slip up but hasn't slipped up um, to inferior competition is USC, who beat Cal 41 to 35. It's another one, close game. Their only loss is to Utah, and I won't fret them to lose to Utah. I think Utah is a good football team. Um, but they've made a habit of close games against teams they should beat. Um, yes, it's year one, all that stuff, but still. Um, other games around UNC 31, Virginia 28. So that was a little bit of a scare. Kansas 37, Oklahoma State 16. Your bowl eligible Kansas Jayhawks. Beautiful, beautiful sight to see. Beautiful sight to see. Um, what else? What else? What else? I'm looking here. UCF beat Memphis 35 28. Uh, that is important because I am setting up conversation for later because Tulane beat Tulsa 27 to 13. Both of those wins, very important in the American. Um, and then I think I think that's it in terms of non-five wide games. Um yeah. All right. Cool. Let's have the conversation, Tyler. We're going back to that Alabama game. Yeah. The dialogue I want to have to you, I'm going to I'm going to give you two options and I want you to tell me which one you think is a more realistic and b which one you believe more, because I think that can be different. Right. You believing yeah. one is more realistic. than Is Nick Saban slipping? Or. Do they just not have Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and those elite wide receivers that they've had for the past five, four or five years? I mean, I think it, I think it's both like both. They, OK, so you, you think not only is it the wide receiver issue, 
Well, but you I think, think do you think, think Nick slipping. Saban is slipping? I think he's slipping because they don't have those wide receivers. Like it's okay. Like it is insane that Alabama has gone in this run of dominant NFL level wide receivers. The wide receivers they have now, five stars. They're they're some of the best in the country, but they're not those guys, you know. But here it's that thing where it's like, yeah, Nick Saban is slipping because that was their identity. He 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 was so good at recruiting those guys. He got all of them. And like so yes, on the standards of what a mortal coach should be able to do, it would not be considered slipping to like have some regression. But this is Nick Saban. Nick Saban seems to be coming from I'm the greatest there will ever be at this sport to I'm still the best there is right now and I'm still the GOAT. But I mean, this is like two times in the last three years that he's um, lost two games in the regular season. That had not happened since – I mean, that had happened forever. AJ McCarron was the last time he lost two uh, games in a season, period. And that wasn't in the regular season either. So it's like the Mac Jones, like two got injured Mac Jones year. And then there was um, this year. And I don't know. It's interesting because like so much of Alabama's identity has now become like, we just have NFL stars at wide receiver and they don't have that right now. So, I mean, yeah, that's the more realistic answer, but I think mm-hmm. that does show that Nick Saban is slipping only in so fact that I, not slipping as in becoming bad, slipping as in becoming mortal. Like, right. And you think, do you think mortal in terms of the recruiting trail? Because that's really where he was able to kind of carve out his lane, right? Just elite, elite recruiter getting the best mm-hmm. talent. I think it's interesting because in a time where they may argue, may, may arguably have their best quarterback since they've made the switch to this offensive type system, I think, cause I think Bryce Young is insane and just the things that he does. And he is keeping them in these football games that they've lost. He yeah. is keeping them in Which every single game. Part. Like, right. Like, like you never think of Alabama being dependent on the quarterback to do it. It's always the quarterback is good, but he is a clog in the system. He's not, he's, he's not the reason why it's happening. So now that we don't have these Mac wide Jones, receivers, Mac Jones got drafted in the first round based off this principle. Literally, literally. Absolutely. Just because like Devontae Smith was the best wide receiver in college football. That was why I yeah. Like anybody could have been throwing to him. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, and that's the, that's the criticism with Tua, with Tyreek and Waddle and all that stuff. But that's for another conversation, but I can see where that mentality comes. One thing about Alabama that I think we talked about after they lost to Tennessee was that Saban was able to kind of reinvigorate himself in different ways, right? Like the three stages of Bama, right? I don't, I just don't know what is, what's next, you know? Like, they, I, I can't see it. I mentioned my concern uh, a few weeks ago, but now it's like proof of, okay, like, I don't know where it's going to go. And also, I think a big thing is this Bama team is just not as disciplined as it's been in the past. That's and- where the slipping comes in, in my opinion. I don't know why that is. Because the, it shows you, you Billy Napier is doing it with the, with the Gators. Like, we're way more disciplined than we were last year. And just in general. And I don't think having more talent means you have to be less disciplined. Georgia is an extremely disciplined team. Ohio State is an extremely disciplined team. Alabama, for so long, with so much talent, was an extremely disciplined team. I don't know because I'm not going to blame it on the on the on the players because it seems like they can overcome this. Now, maybe I've said this before. Every college football team is a collection of a hundred different eighteen to twenty two year old young men. Um. It is almost impossible. It's a, frankly a miracle people get 800 of those people to align in the same direction. Maybe this is just now, maybe this is just a weird concoction of this group. But 
that was I it's hard for me to sit here and be like, yes, Nick Saban, the constant over the last 10 years, was always had a disciplined Bama team. Then it's the kids that are the reason this time that it's not that way. I'm like, okay, something something's changed. Like I don't know what is happening, but this, yeah. Yeah, this is the era of undisciplined Bama so far. It is. It is. And listen, it could be a one-year drop, and then they come back next season. If there's anyone that I have faith in turning it around quickly, it's Nick Saban. But it, it is a different landscape. So we'll be interested to see. Um, I I am officially wrapping up this con- this conversation. If you had to, if you had to describe how you feel about the Nick Saban era, what would you, in, in a few words, what would you say? Like as a whole? Yeah. Like, like as a whole, like mine, to give you an example, mine is my, my phrase would be, I am, I am officially paying attention. I am oh, like what the status right now. Like, yes. I am officially paying attention to more than I ever have in the past to yeah, the no, um, state of this program. I think the best way to put it would be that um, taking nothing for granted mm-hmm. okay. in, in so facto as like, there were so many things. I mean, we picked we picked Alabama in this game for this reason. It was like, oh, it's an Alabama LSU game and this is not a generational LSU team. Cool. I'm going to take Alabama. I'm not even going to think twice about it. Mm-hmm. You know, credit to Jane Daniels and I guess Brian Kelly. Um, and <laughs> I mean, they made the plays. I do feel like this was more of just Alabama just fumbling it away. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know if I can take that rule for what it is. And I don't, I, I would always take Alabama's greatness for granted. Like, um, yeah, sure. we have like, Oh, they're great. And, you know, barring exceptions like this, they're going to win this game. And like, yeah, now I'm sitting here being like, I don't know if I can, just be like, yeah, well, here's it's the saving principle and like all these things. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, anymore. I don't know if I don't know if I can start invoking the saving principle of coming off a natty or the saving principle of oh, they just lost a close game, they shouldn't have lost. Hammer it, you know what I mean? I I don't know if I can invoke that anymore. No. All right. Yeah. Two seconds about Brian Kelly. Um, we got to give him at least some respect, he right? Beat like, Nick Saban, I'm sick. He. He's a good ball coach. Yeah. Uh, do you still think that it's going to work out in the long run at LSU? No. no okay. No. All right. All right. However, so, so it does, it does remind me, it's just like Brian Kelly. It, okay. It's a thing. Again, I still don't think, because eventually that four and eight type of season will come because he had at least two of those at Notre Dame. Um, can Brian Kelly survive that? In my opinion, I highly doubt it because he's what he does not have the goodwill enough to do that. He's because this is the, this is the problem with Brian Kelly is that, he is such a jerk, and he is one of those coaches that just throws his players under the bus. Just like he can coach football. When it starts going bad, it goes really bad. Like he's not the type of person who's going to pull you out of that, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, to a lesser, to a much lesser degree, Mullen had this problem at, at Florida last year where like it's, things started going bad and he wasn't really able to, and he had no interest, I think, in turning the perception around. Like, you know, just always be like, well, we're constantly evaluating what we can do differently. Um, and that was more or less of being a jerk as much as just being a little abrasive. Brian Kelly's, you know, I, this is not comp- this is not uh, controversial for me to say. He's a well-known jerk. Like, um, the yeah, he's, he's not he's not the most well-liked person in the coach community. Yeah. That's been well-reported multiple times. 
I, I um, think it's, but it's again, I, I always think, I think it will fail at some point, which, I, but, um, I, Brad Kelly is a good football coach. Yeah, he is. I'm not He's a good ball coach. I didn't think Credit. he was a beat Nick Saban type of football coach, but maybe this just says more about what type of teams, um, LSU and, uh, Notre Dame are able to, uh, assemble. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I no, know. I agree. I agree with you. I just wanted to point that out and give him his credit for this. Uh, and I also wanted to calm down Florida fans. Billy Napier was the right decision. It will show in time. And I wouldn't be too worried about, you know, Brian Kelly and showing up and, oh, he's doing much better at LSU. This and that. I could have hired him, blah, 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 whatever. No, 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 no. Speaking of Florida, Tyler, we play South Carolina this week, four o'clock kickoff on the SEC network. It is senior day. What are you looking for? What do you think will happen in this game? I think Florida, I'll just get cut to it. I do think Florida is going to win this game. Um, I don't think it's like, it's not a given, obviously. South Carolina's had some good games this season. I am not, you know, super like, I mean, I like Shane Beamer and, you know, I like what he's doing there, but it's also like, I'm not super like, oh, watch out. Um, What I really want to see is I want to see Anthony Richardson stay on this path. I want to see development from what we just because the second half of this past game, Texas A&M game, was one of the best halves of football Florida's played all year on both sides of the football. Let's keep that momentum going. Um, Anthony Richardson is on a streak. Let's keep that going. I don't feel like South Carolina is going to be the team to break him, but we'll see. Um, defensively, it's a big thing because I okay Spencer Rattler. Um, uh, admittedly haven't watched super much of him this year, but I can't imagine he's better than he was at Oklahoma. Um, you could, you would be better to correct me if I'm wrong. He, Um, he hasn't, I've seen, I've seen some South Carolina this season and he he still, he still has the arm. That arm talent is unfreaking deniable. He can, that is going to have someone take a chance on him in the draft um maybe not early but you know he'll he'll make a roster simply because of the arm strength it's 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 incredible to see um it's just not it's decision making it's uh situational things that's that just still hasn't improved and i just think that's who he is you know and that's okay like he's he is a good college starting quarterback i think he is a good enough to you know be that guy and in college and i think that he's gonna be effective for eight or nine out of your 12 games um he's good for a couple stinkers in that sense um i I think the interesting thing to watch out here is can the gators get pressure to him right because we showed previously when we can pressure the quarterback we can have them make mistakes right stetson bennett made some mistakes when we pressured him in the georgia game um we could not get pressure on Jaden Daniels, which is a large part as to why he, he was able to dominate so much. Um, we got yeah. the pressure to Haynes King in the second half. All those things, you know. So can we do it? Yeah, I think pressure. we can. Yeah, I think we can. It's, it's just a matter of we'll see. Keeping them off their off balance, keeping them keeping the South Carolina offense off of uh, schedule. Like mm-hmm. Florida does. I mean, all off all defenses do best when they can do that. Um, but get the pressure Correct. offensively. Just keep balance. Mm-hmm. Um, balance has been the key this season. And honestly, with like kind of more skewing towards the run, but now I think Richardson looks like he's playing excellent. So mm-hmm. balance, keep a lot of balance and, uh, 
let's just stay healthy. Like, yeah. All Completely of our big agree. games have mostly already happened, but I still just want to see the team stay healthy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, this is this is an interesting part. Because South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Um, what's the other team? South Carolina, just, Vanderbilt, Florida State. I thought there was another team in between them. But just no, we, do, we have three games left. We have three okay, games just, left. I thought we had four. Um, yeah, these three games, all very winnable. Yep. So let's keep, all let's very keep winnable. the streak going. Literally, eight and four is on the table and realistic, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And again, if you talk and we, you, you texted me this when I texted you that uh, on Saturday with something that we had said at the beginning of the season. If we go eight and four. This is great. It's it's very difficult. It's it, it's it's very easy, I should say, to get caught up in the moment of the season and say, "Oh my God, we're losing these games. The offense doesn't look good. Anthony Richardson's inconsistent. The defense looks horrendous. Why do we have Patrick Tony as the coordinator?" Blah blah blah. Let it play out. It's same thing with the college football ranking with the playoff rankings. Let them play out. Like what matters at the end of the season, I promise you we go eight and four. We go to the bowl, go to a bowl game. Say we win a bowl game. We get those bowl practices nine and four coming out of Napier's first season, completely re overhauling the program, getting a new, a great recruiting class significantly improved from the Mullen recruiting classes. We're in good shape guys. We're, we're good shape going forward. And the important part is, Hopefully Anthony Richardson stays an extra year. I just think for his own personal development, I think he can. Yeah. Well, with grow. NIL, I think the 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 good thing is we have NIL now, so that's true. That's true. Yeah, so he, help he, those, he can those prospects on the fence be like, mm-hmm. I could stay and I can still make money. Right. Like, I can stay. I can still make it. money. And I think for him, the emotional pull of being from Gainesville, growing up, wanting to be the quarterback of Florida, give him another. You know, maybe he doesn't want to give up that right away. Again, if he's going to be projected to be a top five pick, you can't really argue with that. Um, I just think he's toolsy, though, is the thing to me. Like, I think if he stays an extra year and he shows he can be the he can has the potential to be the number one pick in the draft because of how important the position of quarterback is. Not saying he would be the best prospect, but he could go number one because of that. That's the thing. This year, in my opinion, it's just gonna if if he goes out this year, it's gonna be like. He's a toolsy guy. He's a end of the first, early second. Like, um, take a take a swing on him because like the potential's all there, but you know you you can't start him right away or like all this all this kind of stuff. Whereas next year, if you, if continued development happens, he's he's in the top ten conversation, and I'm, I think you want that. I agree completely. Also, agree. I, I I don't want to go to the I don't want to go to the Texans. <laughs> Or the I don't want to go to the Texans, to go. or, the Fal- the Texans so. or the Falcons or any of these I don't know or Carolina. Well, I don't want to go to Raider, they just refuse to play him. That is that is true. Um, he did look good in the preseason. Anyway, okay, so that's prediction. You think we win the game? I think we win the game. I, I think Florida wins the game. I think Florida okay. wins this game. I think Florida wins Vanderbilt, and I think it's toss up against FSU. We'll see how we feel when we get there. But winning this game gives us bowl eligibility. So that's one yes. thing at a time, and that's very important for the bowl practices. That is very important for the practices that we, four, we need those extra time. Game. It's a four, four o'clock, o'clock kick, kick Eastern. I love that. One o'clock for you. <laughs> Out in big time yeah, country, yeah. one o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's perfect for me. I'm actually going to I'm going up to Virginia this weekend to visit my mom and my stepdad and Diego. See, and I, had, I had planned to do a thing with a bunch of friends at noon mm-hmm. because I was like, yeah, Gator game should be over by then. <laughs> right. No, 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 so, no, no. Uh, All right. Five wide for this week, Tyler. Let's let's go through these quickly. Number nine, Alabama taking on number 11, Ole Miss. It is the three thirty CBS game of the week. 
Uh, lots of SEC West implications here. Alabama obviously has two SEC losses. Ole Miss only has one SEC loss, and that is to LSU. Ole Miss, excuse me. Ole Miss with a win here. I can't believe I'm saying this. Ole Miss with a win here um, would put themselves in a good position, um, hoping that LSU slips up and they would yeah. be put into the title game. So because LSU has the tiebreaker, and while LSU has two losses, one of them is non-conference. Correct. Um, Correct. So looks like LSU is going to win this division, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go ahead. But LSU could definitely slip up. Like agreed. Agreed. I'm going to go ahead and pause and say, Tyler, you pick first on all of these, not because I'm beating you, which I'd like to remind you that I am beating you in this. Um, it's because the past couple of weeks, I got to pick all of them first. And I think that we should have a two week stretch of you picking everything first, including the two points so that we can balance out. So I appreciate you pick first. That, you you know, pick first every that. game, unless you want to pick second based on competition. I'll give you the option about that. I'm not that desperate. I'm not that desperate just yet. We'll see how this week goes. Sounds um, good. So you go first um, on all of these, Tyler. Who do you want in this game? It's tough. I know. I, know. I, I mean, I think here's the thing. I, I'm not pick. I'm going to pick Alabama in this game, not for mm-hmm. any sort of saving principle. I do just think that they're better than Ole Miss because okay. um, Ole Miss, I think, is good, but Ole Miss has not been as flashy as I thought that they would. Like they, they kind of they they beat Kentucky, but they kind of struggled. They lost mm-hmm. to LSU. They beat all these other teams, and like like they, they beat Texas A&M, but it was tough. Like um, they're good. Um, but I think they need to be more to be, be able to beat Alabama. And this is, is this at Ole Miss? Yes, it, it is at uh, Ole Miss. That, in that goes in their favor, but I just, I still think it's the thing. Bryce Young is keeping this Alabama team afloat. And I think Bryce Young can win this game. Yep. So I, I agree for me, it's not a saving principle game, even though they are coming off a loss, uh, off the heels of the conversation we just had. I will also be taking Alabama, and it is because I just think given the offenses that we have here and also given the defenses not playing as well as we may have hoped, both of them, um, I think Bryce Young, I will take him over Jackson Dart. That's pretty much where I'm at right there. So I'll take Bama as well. The next game, number 22, UCF, traveling to Tulane to New Orleans to take on the number 17-ranked Green Wave. Uh, 3.30 kickoff on ESPN2. This game is massive for the American because these are the top two teams in the conference right now, Tulane 1, UCF 2. Um, Tulane does not have a conference loss this season. Their only loss is out of conference, and UCF has one conference loss. So if UCF wins this game, they are in first place in the conference, and they not only will be in first place in the conference, they will hold the tiebreaker over Tulane, which then keeping an eye out given that Tulane UCF and Cincinnati thrown in here all win out up until the last game of the season. We will then be seeing um, the last game of the season is Tulane and Tulane and Cincinnati. So it's basically the winner of this game will be playing in the conference title game. And then the winner of Tulane Cincinnati will be playing for the second spot. If that makes sense. Yes. Okay, so and if if Tulane wins this game, they basically secure their spot and UCF would need a Cincinnati loss at the end of the season. And then if UCF wins this game, it's literally head to head Tulane since the winner goes on. So very interesting um, dynamics here for the American Conference. Tyler, you get the first pick. What do you want? (laughs) Boys, 
<laughs> Friends, Romans, countrymen. The y- brand is real. I, y'all know I'm picking the best uniforms in college football. Like, <laughs> I'm going with two lane green wave. Is that a subtle shot at the space uniforms? I realized it as I said it, maybe. <laughs> but um, no, we have long stated that the green wave uniforms are the best in the, in the sport. I'm not going to take that away from them. Can confirm. Um, not everything is about UCF, Sergio. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm I'm out here practicing for the Instigator Olympics. Okay, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> all I'm doing here. Um, I'm going to take Tulane because I mean I do think UCF is very capable of winning this game. I think these are two really good teams. Um, I'm very excited to watch this game. I am going to take Tulane because I think they've been a little bit more dominant. Um, UCF has got that little Gus Malzahn slip up in them, um, which they do. But I will also argue. That's happened twice already this season. Cool. And I, I told all of my UCF fans when Gus Malzahn was hired, I looked at them in the eye sockets and I said, two games a year, you will lose and you will go, I have absolutely zero idea how that happened. That is the Gus Malzahn tax. That is the Gus Malzahn effect. You're going to win it's all those already, games. But- <laughs> it's already happened twice. There are two losses this year are I cannot believe they lost those football games. ECU on the road and Louisville on the road. They're a better team at home than they are on the road. That is unquestioned. I just think that given the magnitude of the game, I think that I think their slip up is out of them. And and Mikey Keene played quarterback last week. Um, I don't know the status of John Rice Plumley. I think he played a little bit last week. Um, but really, Mikey Keene was the one that got those touches. And I have been saying from the get go. Mikey Keene is the better quarterback, needs to be playing for UCF. And I think that he's going to get the run out there. He's took over the game, the Cincinnati game for the second half after John Rice probably went out with a bad concussion or head injury. We don't know. Uh, I will be taking UCF. This is a branding pick. This is a belief pick. Um, you know what? You know the rules. That's what it is. You know how it is. You know how it is. Moving forward, I will say, though, Tulane, best uniforms in college football, hands yeah. down. Hands down, we've been a long proponents of this. Uh, number four, TCU taking on number 18, Texas, 730 kickoff on ABC. Tyler, who do you have? Okay, so um, this we just talked about how Big 12 is, is the conference where you're, you're a slip-up is most likely. TCU has been flirting with that, but also I don't think it's a testament of TCU being bad. I just think that all these teams are also pretty good. Texas is going to be tough because this year, from what I've seen, is that like this is the year where Quinn Ewers is really just there to make the defense honest so Bijan Robinson can take over. Um, next year is going to be the air show where Quinn Ewers needs to come into his own. But this this is the year where like Bijan Robinson is really the 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 the, the catalyst for the offense. That's interesting to me. I'm going to go on a little bit of hypothetical here, but I I think. TCU scores. TCU, that's what they do. They, they score football. They throw it. So I don't know. I, I think Texas is going to have to throw the football a lot in this game. Um, B. John Robinson can make a touchdown run out of anywhere on the field, but you're still going to need to throw the ball. They were in a similar situation against Oklahoma State. Quinn Ewers did not play well in that game. Um, I think I'm going to take TCU. Because uh, I also I want I want Hypnoto to be in the playoff. I want it so bad. <laughs> um, like all just full bias. Like I really do want this to happen. <laughs> I I would love that to happen as well. I just think, um, for the sake of being uh, contrarian, I think Texas plays better at home than they do on the road in similar fashion to UCF. And 
I think that TCU's it's it's been a lot of coming up cl- short. It, I mean, I'm sorry, it's been a lot of like last minute win this and that whatever. And they're playing well, but I love what you said about the Texas offense. Um, they throw to keep you honest so that Bijan Robinson can go ahead and take care of business. I think this is a big Bijan Robinson game. Like yeah. this is a this is a we're gonna have some draft draft Twitter is going to be going, Oh man, Bijan Robinson in the second round is going to be incredible. One of yeah, those types of takes y'all keep y'all keep Bijan Robinson. I'm looking at Quentin Johnson over there on the uh, wide receiver at TCU. Now, I do, see does you. NFL, does my NFL football team have a dynamite running back? Maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not really, you know, it should be John Robinson at the moment. I really need mm-hmm. a wide receiver. <laughs> I get you. I get you. It's okay. You got Calvin Ridley coming in next year. Anyway, next year uh, I will take, I will take Texas. And I also think that this is another step in the, uh, Texas is going to be much better next year. Pathway primetime night game on ABC. Um, I believe Herbie and Fowler are calling this game. And so I think this is going to be one of those big time moments that Texas kind of shows up and they say, listen, this, it may not be this year, but next year, watch we out. Coming. We coming. We coming. Um, number 25, Washington taking on number six, Oregon. Seven o'clock kickoff on Fox Eastern. Four o'clock kickoff local. Tyler, who do you want? I know that they're my Washington Huskies, but Oregon has been real good. So I got to take Oregon. Like, I both put, ne- me, down, put me down next to you. Um, I don't want to have the Oregon conversation right now because we're – we were running I, I long texted you this out of the blue the other day i was just like <laughs> i can't believe bonix is going to win the heisman and Un- i was only half kidding Which- unsolicited unsolicited random text message i can't believe bonix is winning the heisman <laughs> just you know you really know what to text me to get me to get me going you you know exactly what i need to hear to, to just go <laughs> in on a take i love it that's friendship ladies and gentlemen he knows um, yeah, we're going to have the Oregon conversation another time. Just shelf that. Want to have it. Number 15, North Carolina taking on Wake Forest. They are unranked. 730 kickoff on ESPN2. Tyler, who uh, I think it's important to note here, North Carolina, one loss on the season. Probably in the driver's seat for the conference, for the ACC. They, I could legitimately see them as ACC champions with one loss. Uh, I don't know if they make the playoff in that scenario, just given their resume and the teams that the committee seems to like over them. And the fact that they're ranked 15 right now shows that they really think that a lot of things need to happen for them to kind of crawl up there. Uh, but I could see them finishing the uh, one loss ACC champion, maybe six or seven in the final college football playoff ranking, and then coming down here and winning an orange bowl. Like I could clearly see that being, yeah, and that's exactly. a great that's season in my in, opinion in the cards. And that's a great season. So they have to get past wake forest though. Um, Seven thirty kick ESPN two. Who do you want? Uh, Dave Clawson betrayed me. So um, we've got to take UNC, but also the real reason is that Drake May is good. This is this is a fact. Like this is not principle yet, but it is a fact. Drake May is good, and he's going to he's been playing really well for them. He's what we all wanted Sam Howell to be. Um, I was I was about to say. I am not ready to give him the moniker of future. Insert the blank no, no, quarterback. No, I'm not ready for that either, but. But it's it's looking it's looking like I might have to do that this offseason. It's better than Sam L. Pens pens how the season ends. Looks looking good. Looking good. Have you seen, by the way, the um side note, the Alabama message board um post no. that's been circulating on Twitter? 
there's an Alabama message board uh, person that was like, the sky's falling. Nick Saban is cooked. I speak for all Bama fans when I say we want him out. Uh, we need to get someone in young. We need to get someone in next year. Young, young coach, offensive identity can get some wide receivers in here. And Drake may come home, come transfer to, to, to Alabama. You were committed here once and you turned your back, but we will welcome you with open arms. Just going in. I was like, oh, we are. It's funny because, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I have I have never experienced Bama Twitter in shambles. No, right. The silver lining of when the eventual Alabama dynasty will fall, because they all do, is that we are going to finally live in an era where Twitter was not a thing the last time Alabama was in shambles. It is now. I would love to see that and be a fly on the wall and watch all those things happen. And I think we just got a little taste with that small message board. Well, it's a funny thing. We're like the last every when they lost to LSU last, it was like, it was the Joe Burrow national championship year. That was the one, you know, we had the argument that might've been one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Like, um, like that was an argument going around. Additionally, they lost the second game to their rival Auburn after their main quarterback was injured at the last second by a field goal. Every loss was excusable in a way. This year, be like, nah, man. Like, I mean, the Tennessee loss is excusable in the fact that Tennessee is really good. Also, Bama should not lose to Tennessee, but um, that, that's not going to help them at all. But the LSU loss would be like, nah, man. You guys just got your butt. <laughs> you just got beat. Like, uh, they got beat. When was and- the last time that happened to them? <laughs> There's no excuse. Uh, it's just they just got beat. Like, they just got beat, and it is it is what it is. But I'm I'm excited to um to live in that world. You know. Yeah. Drake may come home. <laughs> Drake may come home. That was funny. Which Drake may come home is ironic because his brother Luca May was a North Carolina basketball player. They're what Carolina. Saying, he is home. What's it, Luke he May? is That's home. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> uh, I will also take North Carolina. Put me, put me next to you right there, so that way I can um, enjoy that. Uh, recapping five wide real quick. Bama, Ole Miss, three thirty. CBS game of the week. We both have Alabama. UCF Tulane, 3.30 on ESPN2. I have UCF. Tyler has Tulane. TCU Texas, 7.30 on ABC. Uh, Tyler has TCU. I have Texas. Wash- I, I just realized I'm going to be in Virginia with my brother, and I will be actively rooting for Texas in front of him. Yikes. Um, it's okay. Uh, we're going to watch the UFC fight that night, so I'm hoping to get in his good graces with that. So that'll be fine. <laughs> just kind of um, distract him. Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, number 25, Washington taking on number six, Oregon, seven o'clock kick on Fox. We both have Oregon and North Carolina, 15th ranked, taking on Wake Forest, 730 ESPN2. We both have the Tar Heels. Tyler, you have first pick in five in two point. What do you want? Okay. Taking a look here at the schedule. question real quick. I'm going to need you to be honest with me. Um, oh, okay. I want to pick... The Shula Bowl is so bad. <laughs> but okay. I think it might be a little too lopsided for two point. <laughs> I all I need to know is that you're not going to pick it if I don't. <laughs> I will not I will not be picking the Shula Bowl. I will not be I picking feel, the Shula Bowl. I feel Bowl. like I'd be dirty if I did just because like it doesn't seem like it's even going to be close this year. Like so it, number one, it doesn't seem like it's gonna be close. Number two, conflicted feelings about the Shula Bowl this year. Because kind of don't want Willie Taggart to coach FAU. No, that's and weird. Know, and I know that, 
and I know that a, a loss to FIU this season would be the final nit, would, would be the hammer to do it. But also the Shula Bowl is now moving. This is the last Shula Bowl for the next two seasons because with oh, the well, conference we- changes, with the conference change, we won't play next year. We will play the year after that. Like it'll reestablish itself, but it's just there's going to be a gap year. Um, I didn't realize that FAU and FAU have the same record. They're both you, didn't four have and five. To, you didn't have to say that out loud. You, you <laughs> didn't like, have to. Okay, well, in that case, they have the same record. I actually feel like I should pick this game. You could. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past you. I would not. Hey, I would not harp on you. I think it I will think be conflicting though. The really fact t- that I will be openly cheering for FAU, and I'm assuming you'll take FAU if you take it. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so I will be rooting for your two point, which is some, which is you. If you you are a sick you. <laughs> I don't want to curse because I don't want to go back and edit it. You bleep and bleep. You just read my mind, you Big Ten town oh, so. living man. <laughs> so, um, Willie Taggart absolutely should be replaced as the head coach of FAU, but he's going to buy himself a little bit more time because I'm going to take the FAU Owls to beat the FAU Panthers in the, in the last Shula Bowl for a couple of years. That's why I feel like I've got to take it is because that's fine. Okay. When's the next time we're going to get a chance to do this? In two years. <laughs> Very true. In two years. All right, fine. That, that, leaves, that leaves me. Hoot, hoot. Hoot, hoot. Go Owls. Um, well, that was for right. you. <laughs> it's his birthday on Sunday. Oh. Yes, it is his birthday Sunday. Well, it's, it's a catch me too. FAU is going to win, beat their rival, but, you know, he still has to deal with Willie Taggart, so it's not, you know, <laughs> The well best done. thing is if you win and then also fire. <laughs> 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 Happy birthday, Raul. <laughs> Here's both. Um, all right, let's look. Let's look at some games. Um, you, you know some what? Some suggestions. You... Go ahead and give me some some games you think. Uh, Wisconsin Iowa looks like a good one. Texas A&M mm-hmm. Auburn. Um, oh those God, are the Texas two A&M that... Auburn. <laughs> those are the two that I was thinking of. I was like, I don't know if I feel comfortable being behind and staking mm-hmm. my claim on Texas A&M Auburn. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at Arizona State, Washington State. That's a good one. Iowa State, Oklahoma State looks decent. Oh, um, App State, State Marshall. On, Oklahoma State needs to get back on track. They do. App State Marshall looks good. Um. Kansas State Baylor looks interesting. I don't Ooh, think it's enough enough game. for a two point. Uh, Arizona's been playing well lately. Did Baylor just beat Oklahoma. Yes, they did last week. Last week, I think Tyler. I might have to stay with the theme of. I might have to stay with the theme of keeping it within my family teams. It, and you can veto this if you think it's too much. But would you be mad if I took Oklahoma over West Virginia on the road? No, a noon I was kickoff considering FS1? that game. Okay. I was considering that game. I was supposed to go to this game originally. Aww. We were. We were supposed to go to this game, but it's complicated. It's logistics, whatever. And honestly, it's it's better because we can just hang at home. And thankfully, Oklahoma plays at noon. Gators play at four. FAU plays at seven. So we got a nice full day. A full day. I'm going to be up there with watching football. It's going to be a great, you know time so i'll go oklahoma to beat west virginia uh, i will balance out the fact that i also need texas to win with the fact that i also need oklahoma to win how about that that's that's balance right, that, that, ladies and gentlemen it feels like you'll be able balance. to sleep with yourself at night i then. think so too i think so too 
uh tyler that's it for this episode i know we went long but we you know we had a couple of topics that we had to go into we had two weeks this is two straight episodes of uh the weird episode structure so hoping uh this works out this will be up very quickly um this will be up thursday late afternoon if you're listening to it so uh, just know we recorded that this this morning got it out try to get it out quickly had a lot of conversations anything you want to say before we sign off tyler um it's coming to an end man there's only a couple more weeks of the season it's sad yes not I, yet not yet it's not ending yet but i know but like it's on the horizon and i'm behind and that's my own fault so i gotta uh, i've been in the lead all season <laughs> i got i gotta take it back the game is four quarters tyler you gotta remember that the game is four quarters gotta hold on to the lead I, the whole time I feel like at some point I'm going to at some point this weekend I'm going to regret not picking the Texas A&M Auburn game at some point because I'll be able See, to convince myself because I'm sitting here being like I don't know who I would pick because I think Auburn but then again Texas A&M has lost so many games and mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to swing back the other way so whatever happens in the game I already tell myself this now whatever happens in that game I will convince myself that that would have been what I would have picked <laughs> nice I can't wait for the text on on late Saturday yeah, going I should have taken whatever <laughs> Which in that game, AM's got six losses. They lose that game. They are confirmed a losing season and not make a bowl. By the way, can we talk about how Greg McElroy said on the no, it wasn't him, it was Robert Robert Griffin the third mm-hmm. said uh, on the broadcast the end. It was just like, just hold on, AM fans. Jimbo's building something here. And I'm like, it's year five. Like, yeah. This is the worst yeah. that they look. Like, he has rinsed and repeated a recruiting cycle. Guys, yeah. come on. Um, but for but for everyone's sake, you should be hoping that they do not fire Jimbo Fisher because yeah. your gas prices will go up. If so they I was fire Jimbo people, Fisher, I was in California out here, that were like getting into college football. It's just like whatever you. It's fun to make fun of Texas A&M, but you want to actively hope that they don't get fired. Yes, but you want Jimbo to keep his job. Yes, gas prices are already high enough out here. Correct. Correct. Anyway, um, all right, Tyler, that's it. That is it for this episode. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking about um, what happened in Week Eleven. We will then preview what happens in week 12. If there are some more silly season updates, we will update with that. We will take a look at the updated college football playoff rankings. And of course, we'll talk all about the South Carolina, Florida game. I'm sorry, Florida, South Carolina game. (laughs) What's wrong with me? And we'll also briefly preview the Florida Vanderbilt game. Don't have much concerns there, but I will say credit to Vandy. They're better than they've been in the past. Still not great, but better than they've been in the past. Genuine step for them. Absolutely. Um, this has been another episode of, oh, pause, 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 pause. Before we go, the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> let me just say, are just an incredible part of my weekly sports routine. Just, I mean, I'm enjoying them. The offense is fun. The defense, while they struggle because there's a lot of injuries in that secondary, they hold on when they need to. Trading for Bradley Chubb, getting some pass rush, giving him an extension. I mean, I'm not saying Super Bowl, but I think I might see for the I think I might see for the first time in my actual life the Dolphins win a playoff game. They've made the playoffs twice since I've been legitimately watching. They've lost both playoff games that they've made. I think we might win a playoff game this year. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is progress enough for me. Must be nice. Must um, be nice. Hey, it's, it is ETN season, though. 
It is ETN season, both in Jacksonville and in Gainesville. It's ETN season in both places. Yeah, he is. It's it's so funny because we have a friend who uh, openly maligned the ETN pick as the worst he's ever seen, which is ridiculous, by the way. Um, But Mm -hmm. understandable because we had James Robinson. And now ETN, I love Trevor Lawrence. I I think he's going to be, I think he's going to work in Jacksonville. But so far, ETN has been the vastly more like um, dynamite pick. Like, uh, ETN's like got like four straight games, 100 yards, um, two touchdowns last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence actually looked really good last week when we beat the Raiders. Um, he did look good. I, I I've been saying he just needs time to. I think I think, I think, I think the Jacks fans seems, need like, to think of to be really good next year. Like, yeah, I think Jacks fans or, or the national media, whoever, when, when, what everyone needs to think of Trevor Lawrence. Think of it this season as his first rookie season because last year was kind of a wash in the same way that Florida fans look at AR's season this year. What we said earlier, right? He's making the mistakes now that he should have made last year. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. He's making the mistakes yeah. now he should have made last year. So, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, 100%. It's just yeah. tough for us because we have three straight bye weeks coming up. <laughs> <laughs> And the line for the Chiefs game is Chiefs minus nine and a half. With all that being said, this is another Jeez, episode. I'm not even thinking about that. I, I, I am <laughs> terrified of the Ravens. <laughs> this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, Tyler, but go Gators. Go Gators. <laughs>